is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go. Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Recapping round one of the 2019 NFL Draft, a.k.a. make fun of the Giants all day. That's pretty much what everybody's been doing. Welcome to Fantasy Football Today. Hey, did you see Jamie when they showed those aerial shots? I think we saw you in that mass of like 100,000 people. Jamie's in Nashville. How's it going out there, man? I mean, you could have just watched this on CBS Sports. I HBO. did. It would probably be a little bit easier to I see did. us there. Um, it's fun. It's a, it's a cool town. It's a great venue for the draft. Um, I hope the rain wasn't too much of a deterrence for the people that are here. But uh, the response seems to be very overwhelmingly positive. And, uh, yeah, I think the Giants uh, had an interesting draft. So did the Raiders, uh, at least our first pick. Um, but we'll get into that, too. Oh, we sure will. Uh, mostly fantasy talk and really a lot of Tyreek Hill talk. Uh, that's probably the most fantasy-relevant thing that uh, came out of yesterday, believe it or not. Dave and Heath are also here. What did you guys think of the draft round one? Uh, I guess it was to be expected. Uh, Defense-dominated. Not a lot of, uh, not, th- there's a little bit of excitement for fantasy. I think Josh Jacobs is going to overshadow everybody else, and that was to be expected. I'd like to see where Tampa Bay goes with their running back position in the next day or two. There was a uh, hit movie, came out in 1992, Prelude to a Kiss with Alec Baldwin and Meg Ryan. Yeah. And that's kind of what last night uh, felt like. Yeah. Like it, we're, it was just building up to, Friday night's going to be the big night for fantasy football. That was a hit movie? Well, I mean, yeah, I think so. What was your favorite part of Prelude to a Cassie? Uh Meg Ryan. Can I tell you what I said when uh, when Baltimore drafted Marquise Brown? I said... <laughs> That's pretty much how I felt. That was not a good destination for Marquise Brown. <laughs> Now, no, this that is, was Zoe. No, this is a really funny clip of this guy, this like father crying when his son tells him he still loves him. I'll play the, the rest of the clip. clip. You. I still love you. And then he unleashes. It's really right, weird. Stop, okay, stop, okay. So uh, let's talk fantasy here. Uh, quote from Mike Mayock. I thought this was interesting on Josh Jacobs who actually went one pick before Marquise Brown, uh, 24th overall. He was acquired. That pick was acquired in the Khalil Mack trade. Quote, remember, if you're going to play for John Gruden as a running back, you've got to pass protect, and you've got to catch the football, and this is a three-down back. We've watched him pass protect, and he's got really good natural hands, so he brings versatility on the offensive side. Is that how you guys see Josh Jacobs fitting in in year one with the Raiders? Who are you asking? You guys, all of us. Oh, you guys. Know, the once. problem is, is that Jamie's in Nashville, yeah. and I don't want to say okay. over anything he says. He was the most fantasy-relevant player drafted last night. And I, the only question I have about those things that you just said was, does does Jalen Rashard just disappear? Because if he does, then Josh, I, oh, I've still got Josh Jacobs ranked too low, and he might be a top-12 back. Jamie? I'm, I'll, throw, I'll, oh. throw, I'll throw it to Jamie in Nashville. Well, if you look at Gruden's history in Tampa and how he used and, – and, excuse me, his first stint in Oakland, he basically gave his running backs, I think, about 260 carries on average. Um, 
if I saw it correctly, looking at it last night. Um, if that's the case, and you kind of look at the numbers last year for those guys, uh, the combination of Marshawn Lynch and Doug Martin was 272 carries. And then Jalen Richard, I think, had 55. So if that stays the case, like I'm looking at it right now. So from 2007, from 2001 through 2007, it was basically about 260 was the was the low for the touches, and that was Michael Pittman, um, Tyrone Tyron Wheatley twice in the polling Kaufman once each had at least or they had at least 242 touches. So the average of his running backs, 11 running backs, was 266 touches per season. Um, if he's going to get 266 touches. That should significantly help his production, but you're right. What happens to Richard, and does he just completely go away? I don't think that's necessarily the case. So, I, I think he's. I mean, you're, you're drafting him as a number two running back. I think round four is about the range you're going to look to get him. Uh, if he stays healthy, he has the chance, I think, to to be a top fifteen type of guy. Dave, and so in Gruden's called plays for a dozen years. In ten of those twelve years, a singular running back has totaled a thousand yards. And uh, seven years, a running back has had at least seven total touchdowns. So I think that's what you're looking for from Jacobs is a thousand total yards and seven total touchdowns as a floor. I think we could all agree that that is easily obtainable, which is why I agree with Jamie. He is a I'm I'm calling him a top 50 pick, which means that he would probably fall right into round four. Gruden does have a tendency to use multiple backs. We've seen that well into not into his past. He did it last year. So I, I don't think Jalen Richard's going to disappear, but he's probably going to be more like Jalen Richard, which is you know no one that anybody's going to care about, and they're going to mispronounce his name, and you know two years from now he'll be selling car insurance somewhere. Hmm. Uh, Crowell is going to have a harder time. Yeah, I think it really wipe, wipes him out. Yeah, it, it could get him off the team. And the only thing I, I I don't know how good of a pass blocker Jacobs is. I think he's willing to get in there and 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 do the job. I'm looking forward to seeing him improve in that aspect. And once he does, then yeah, three down back all the way, but he does have very good hands and man, no, so much gas in that tank, something like uh 250 touches last season. I think it was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. uh, would you go with, um, Chris Carson or Josh Jacobs? I still have Carson right there. I'll take Jacobs. Heath, ah, Heath's eye. Like that's a that's a really that's a really good question there, Adam. I'm going to go with Carson. Okay. Uh, how about Josh Jacobs or Carryon Johnson? Jacobs, still Carryon. <laughs> um, I have early projections done for most the, for all the guys drafted last night. I have. Um, Carryon Johnson and Josh Jacobs separated by two hundredths of a point. Oh wow! Okay, <laughs> who's higher? <laughs> yeah, who, who's I'm going to call that a tie. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Who's um, higher? <laughs> who's got two hundredths of a point more? Carryon Johnson. There's your answer, I guess. Let me let me give you some draft trends. Uh, I looked over the last four years. Probably should have gone at least five years, but we'll just look at the last four years. We've had one rookie quarterback do well four straight seasons. Jameis Winston was QB thirteen. Dak Prescott was QB9. Deshaun Watson only played seven games, but he averaged the most fantasy points among quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield was QB16. We've had at least—this is big—we've had at least two rookie running backs finish in the top 12 four straight seasons. We had uh, Todd Gurley and David Johnson, Zeke and Jordan Howard, 
Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, and Leonard Fournette, and Saquon Barkley and Philip Lindsay. And I think I gave you nine running backs there. Eight of those nine were top ten, uh, and all nine were top twelve. So rookie running backs have been very impactful uh, lately. We've only had one top twelve rookie wide receiver over the last four years. That was Michael Thomas. But we have had a top twenty wide receiver three straight years. That would be Thomas, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Calvin Ridley. And two of those three were second-round picks. Ridley was a first-round pick. As far as tight ends, it's hard to make an impact as a rookie tight end, but we have had four top 16 tight ends in the last three seasons. Um, Hunter Henry, Evan Ingram, O.J. Howard, and Chris Herndon. Evan Ingram, the only rookie tight end to finish in the top 10 in the last four seasons. Uh, okay, I got a stat on Kyler Murray and quarterbacks taken number one overall. But why don't we just, yeah, why don't we just get into it? I, th- I think... I, it's going to be almost all draft stuff, but I do think we need to address Tyreek Hill. So we talked about Josh Jacobs, and he is the most fantasy relevant so far. Uh, you know, I, I think obviously we had the Patriots taking a wide receiver, which is really exciting. Uh, that would be Nikhil Harry, 32nd overall out of Arizona State. And obviously Baltimore taking Marquise Brown, that was less exciting. But, um, Tyreek Hill, uh, you know, I'd like to never see him, I'll just editorialize, I'd like to never see him play football again. Um, I think that's possible, and I could be overreacting. But, Jamie, you were around a lot of football guys yesterday. What was the reaction when we learned of the uh, incriminating audio of Tyreek Hill? I mean, obviously it's terrible. Um, I somewhat agree with you that he should not play again. I don't think that's going to be the case because we have at least a little bit of a precedent with this, with Adrian Peterson and what happened with him when he was charged with child abuse, and he was actually charged. Um, Tyreek Hill was not charged or at least, uh, as, as I understand it, will not be charged. Um, so the fact that Peterson was suspended for basically a full season is kind of, I think, where you have to go with this. But again, the, the difference is, is that he was charged. So I don't know how that will impact what the NFL decides to do with Tyreek Hill's situation. But he's going to face some suspension. I think it's probably a minimum eight games. Um, I don't know if there will be worse than that, but clearly there's there's something that's going to come down here because the NFL has the rulings, the the, the collective bargaining states that um, even though he's going to uh, be able to plead the fifth in this case, they can still use that against him. The audio that's come out. Yeah. And I, I don't, I don't want I'm not going to disagree with you thinking he shouldn't play again at him, but I don't think like they let Adrian Peterson come back and someone signed him and someone used him and Tyreek Hill's 25 years old and yeah, he's yeah. one of the most talented wide receivers in the league. And so I, I don't really think he will play for the chiefs again, but I could be wrong about that. I would expect they will cut him. He will be suspended. Somebody will sign him and he'll probably be back in 2020, but this makes the chiefs offense. I mean, from a fantasy perspective, since that's why we're yeah. here, it, it really makes this day interesting for the Chiefs and whether they draft one of their still a lot of wide receivers uh, left that, that have a lot of upside. They've got two picks in the second round. And then it, like if Sammy Watkins, can, whenever he's healthy, he's going to be a, a borderline number one wide receiver. So, Dave, should we wait until Monday to see what the Chiefs do before we talk about Patrick Mahomes or Sammy Watkins and where these guys are going to be? you know, moving in drafts and rankings? Tyreek Hill represented 25% of Patrick Mahomes' touchdowns, almost 30% of his passing yards. He was so impactful for how defenses took on Kansas City's offense. Who are the Chiefs going to draft that's going to replace that? 
Yeah, yeah. The no. best case scenario <laughs> might be Paris Campbell. And I don't think he's going to be what Tyreek Hill was. This is a downgrade. The Chiefs aren't going to come back from this very easily. Still the number one quarterback in fantasy? No, not for me. He's he's down to number three, and he could move even further. Behind who? I, uh, Luck and Rodgers for me right now. I haven't decided. He's going to be one or two for me, and it may to be determined by whether they go at a, a good receiver today or even on Saturday. Um, but I don't think, like, Tyreek Hill didn't make Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I think he was a big reason why Patrick Mahomes had the numbers that he had last year. 12 of 50 touchdowns. So what What if What if he's not suspended for the whole season, though? What if it's only eight games? Then I guess that would help him, but you're still going to have a substandard Mahomes for the first half of the year. I, you're, you're, and we're going to start Mahomes anyway, so... Maybe that bumps him back up to number one, but he's not the far and away. He wouldn't be the far and away QB one if Tyreek Hill played eight games next year. He would still be a lot closer to a round five pick for me. Like the, before this news happened, I was okay with Mahomes as a round three quarterback. I know that there are people out there that were ready to sink their uh, number one pick into Mahomes because he was such a difference maker last year. We're just not those kinds of guys when it comes to quarterbacks. We like to wait. But I still would have taken him in round three. There's no chance I'm taking any quarterback before 50th overall now in a one-quarterback league. So, Jamie, where's Mahomes in your rankings? I haven't, um, honestly, unfortunately, given it much thought just because I was so busy with the draft last night. But I'm just looking right now like at the two game logs for both guys. So Tyreek Hill week three had Wait, a miserable game. before you do that, I, I've already done it. <laughs> okay, um, go ahead. Tyreek Hill had five games last season with 61 or fewer yards. Here are Mahomes' fantasy points. Without with, without scoring? At least four of them, I'd say. Here are Mahomes' fantasy points in those five games. Uh, 30, six-point per passing touchdown leagues. 30, 24, 15, 40, and 21. So small sample, pretty good. As low as 15, as high as 40, and then 21, 24, and 30. I would say, you know, three... That would be three disappointing games out of five for Patrick Mahomes. Well, he had he had actually Tyreek Hill had eight games with seventy five yards or less with no touchdowns. Yeah, but I I I did the cutoff. At, I mean, I think a seventy yard game 60, is still pretty 61 good. Sixty one is clearly the right cutoff. I mean, a seventy yard <laughs> game is a seventy yard game is pretty good. I can't say that that's a bad game. Like he's going to have some seventy yard games. So you're right, and you know what? That's it's an imperfect exercise. But I, could you, Jamie, if Tyreek Hill suspended eight games, could you really make Patrick Mahomes your number one quarterback? No, no. Anytime, any anything more than four games for Tyreek Hill will will bump Mahomes down. I think Dave's probably got it in the right spot. Three. I think he's still top five. You know, it's hard to it's hard to justify. Maybe you can move Deshaun Watson ahead of him too. At least for me, um, I think Heath has him ranked a little bit higher. Um, so you you could argue those three guys. I don't think I'm going to take Baker Mayfield or Matt Ryan ahead of Mahomes, um, even if Tyreek Hill misses the entire season because. There is, you know, just again eyeballing it right now. There, there's a pretty good sample size of him still putting up tremendous numbers in terms of Mahomes without Tyree Kill on the field. But Tyree Kill puts him in a in a different echelon and a different tier because of what he does on the field. Well, not without Tyree Kill on the field, without Tyree Kill having a big game, but still being on the field. I mean, that does that does yes, help. Sorry. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, so you know what? Matt Ryan is definitely a winner. The Viking, the uh, Falcons, rather, they upgraded their offensive line. Let's talk about NFL draft or fantasy winners and losers from the NFL draft. Remember how much of a difference it made for the Colts last year when they upgraded their offensive line with multiple picks. Well, the, the Falcons did that in the first round. couple things to promote real quick. Please watch the CBS Sports HQ coverage. Those guys are working so hard. They are absolutely killing it. Jamie's doing a great job. Watch it on CBS Sports HQ. Just download the CBS Sports app on any of your connected devices, and it's all free. You don't have to sign up. Also, we got the Kentucky, uh, we got the, uh, the Derby coming up. Yeah, the Derby's coming up. How about that? And Hammer and Hank Goldberg. Oh man, this guy's so good. He goes straight to the source to get the winning horse racing picks. Last year, he was all over Justify Early after talking to a timer in California. So who is the Hammer all over this year in the Kentucky Derby? Go to sportsline.com. And click on Kentucky Derby to see his picks. And we've got a promo code for you. The first month is one dollar. Use the pick. Uh, use the uh, promo code Derby on Sportsline.com. The code is Derby. All right, Jamie, one big winner in fantasy after last night's draft. Uh, I, you know, you, you mentioned the Falcons. They clearly uh, had a nice day for them. I, I also, you know, looking at offensive line, uh, the Vikings with getting Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State. Um, I think it's going to help Dalvin Cook even more. You know, I'm really excited about Cook's outlook for the season uh, with Stefanski and, and Gary Kubiak as the play callers there. So they're going to be run-centric. And, you know, getting help on that line was tremendously needed. And Bradbury is just a, a dominant force in the middle. They'll kick Elfline over to um, right guard or left guard. And just making the offensive line just a better unit overall will help um, help things out for Cook in a big, big way. It's I, I'd second that. It's a fantastic fit. Bradbury is a zone scheme center, and that's what Minnesota runs, and that's what Cook is best at. Uh, this this helps the entire offense, not just Cook, but certainly Cook needed help with that interior line, and, and the Vikings gave it to him. Yeah, we did a show a few weeks ago, uh, more like a couple months ago, where we talked about the grades that Pro Football Focus gave offensive lines, and uh, Minnesota was 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 pretty low on that list, They, I think. I will confirm. Um, and when you watch them play, you could yes. understand where that grade comes from. So there, there wasn't that gray area there like we had with a couple of the other lines that we saw. All right, Dave, who's a winner for you? I, I think that Hollywood Brown landing with Baltimore is going to be kind of so-so for him as a fantasy prospect. But now that the Ravens have uh, a guy that can take the top off the defense, it's going to force defensive backs to think twice about crowding the line of scrimmage against this Ravens run offense. So I think it's going to help Mark Ingram. And I'm not a fan of taking older running backs, but Ingram might be an exception for me this year. It's still a good offensive line in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson being there will also make it hard to slow down Ingram. I think he's going to benefit from Marquise Brown on the outside, uh, taking the top off. Interesting. Okay, Heath, a winner for you. I think it's definitely Eli Manning. The <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, the Giants... <laughs> Made it pretty clear that he's going to be their starting quarterback for at least the next three years. Three years. There's, n- yeah. there's not any competition there. They could have drafted a good quarterback that might have taken his job, and they didn't do that. So I think in three quarterback leagues, Manning is still a must-start option. I have so much to say about it, but just because I love the listeners so much, I'm not going to talk about it. No, 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 no. Say it. No, I, I look. I, I didn't like Dad. the pick. I didn't like the pick, but I just want to. I just want to bring something. If, if they had taken Dwayne Haskins instead of Daniel Jones. Would you have been happier with the Giants' draft? Yes. Yeah, like everybody would have, right? Except let's Except not— NFL people who love Daniel Jones. Let's not ignore the fact that the Redskins NFL people 
according to reports, wanted Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, so I the the only question I mean, again, is if you want to you know call those guys quarterback evaluators. <laughs> yeah. That's a different story. But you know th- there are teams that wanted Daniel Jones and he was not going to get to seventeen according to what everything I heard last night. Is that what is that because that was my question? Like you you obviously were surrounded by people who were plugged in, Jamie. And the question is, this is the most controversial pick of the, of the first round. So it bears uh, talking. It, yes. Cleveland Farrell. The Raiders. The yeah, this is this is more controversial than that. It, fine, it's, it's it's close. They're toss ups with two franchises that may not be going in the right direction. But um, the question is just: Would he have gotten there at seventeen? Would he have been there at seventeen? And if the answer is no, then it's a justifiable. They, they pick. did not feel again everything that I heard and everything that I read last night. They did not feel that he was going to be there at seventeen. Now, could they have traded down from six or traded up from seventeen? That's the big question. You know, the right. Steelers clearly made a move to go up and were able to get there. The Giants had more ammunition. So, you know, they could have potentially made that happen if that was the case. Um, but it's, I mean, we say this in fantasy all the time. If there's a guy you like, you get him when you have the chance to get him. Mm-hmm. Now, Daniel Jones, according to every mock draft, you know, this, this is where the NFL draft becomes fun because mock drafts from people like us, compared to what NFL evaluators look at players is completely different. I know. Yeah. It's, it, it's the same it, thing as people who play fantasy compared to the things we do. We rank guys and we say, this is where they should be drafted. But if you like someone, you take them where you can get them. It does just, feel like a bad pick. Like it's, I, It feels I'm like trying, a bad pick. That's the problem. Like yeah. the perception is it's a bad pick, but if he becomes the best quarterback of this class, no one's going to care that it's right. Six. Yeah. Do we have like, and I, I maybe just can't think of it, but like, is there a quarterback we can think of that completed less than sixty percent of their passes and averaged well, six point four yards per attempt and turned out to be good in the NFL? It's it's kind of a flawed stat because Jones, and this is part of the reason why the NFL evaluators liked him, and I could spend a minute on this if you really wanted to. Yeah. Please. But the long story short is that the offensive line in Duke sucked. It was brutal. And when you go back and watch Jones's film, there's at least two times every game where his receivers drop passes on him, including reliable tight. He had a reliable tight end, caught a lot of passes. He's dropping wide open touchdowns in the end zone. So it's just, but there there are so many frustrating plays where Jones is putting it on the receiver, and the receiver isn't doing his part to help Jones out. So that is absolutely part of the reason why his stats were terrible. He was under pressure a lot. And sometimes he was under pressure, and he still made great throws. Um, he was tough in the pocket. His footwork is really good. Uh, his coaching is good. He seems to be smart for the position. I'm concerned about the arm strength because a lot of his passes to the sideline kind of fluttered a little bit. And I remember seeing that in guys like Ryan Nassib, who <laughs> just – did not pan out at all in the NFL, and I, I'm not comparing the two because Nassib wasn't as ready as Jones kind of is. And I don't, I just, I don't, I don't see him. I, I think what the Giants are looking for from a quarterback is just a distributor. Yeah, and that's part of the reason yes. why they've got Shepard, why they've got Golden Tate, why they've got Evan Ingram. They're looking for a guy who can get the ball out quick. Jones did that at Duke, and the protection will be better for him with the Giants than it was at Duke. So maybe he'll end up being okay. I don't see him. I don't see him as a as a flashy quarterback. He's not going to be as productive as Kyler Murray. I think there's a chance he's not going to be as productive as Will Greer. 
yeah, who he, hasn't been picked he's yet. He's worse than Will Greer. And, and Heath, over the last we 24 hours, that. has heard everything that I think about Will Greer. So I'm not going to get into it for his sake. But I, I understand why the Giants picked him. I just think that it's it, it, but it doesn't mean that he's could, going to be good. Just at real all. quick, because I don't I'm not going to disagree with anything you said. But the initial question still stands. Do we like? Can we think of any quarterback who had stats as bad as him in college and turned out to be really good? What were the stats again? Six point four yards per attempt, completion percentage below sixty percent. Wow. There's no way I would be able to think about that off the top of my head. Um, let's see. What was the completion percentage? Fifty nine point nine is his career. He was sixty point five as a junior. I, no, there's one stat that Daniel Jones has that's better than Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins, and that is starts. And actually, I think a more— And competition. He played against much tougher competition than, than Murray, for sure. And he was yeah. brutal in that tough competition. Uh, because, and that, I think a lot of people attribute that to the offensive line. Um, and uh, what was I— Oh, yes. Has there, have there been successful quarterbacks that have started only one year? You know, that— there probably has been, but that used to be a major, major stat when drafting quarterbacks was experience and just starts. Like, did Matt Leinart only start one year? I think he did. And, and, Sanchez. Oh, maybe, it was, San, maybe it was Sanchez. It was yeah. Sanchez, not not Leinart. Yeah, it was Sanchez. I um, want to say Leinart had two years. Uh, Lamar had Jackson had a fifty-seven percent completion percentage at Louisville. Oh, and and Heath uh, Heath will not admit that that Mar- that Lamar Jackson is a bad quarterback, a bad thrower. So this is perfect, Heath. You've got somebody with worse stats. So let's let's hear it now. Do you feel regret about your either Daniel Jones take or your Lamar Jackson? You defended Lamar Jackson so vociferously last night on Twitter. It was it was terrific. Yes. Um. What What do we think Lamar Jackson's College stats were passing the ball. His completion percentage is worse. Well, I I, mean, I wasn't just citing completion percentage. I also mentioned Dave has it pulled up. That's all I heard. So uh, so he averaged um, eight point three yards per attempt and fifty seven percent completion percentage. That's much much better than six point four and fifty nine percent. One is better, one is worse. Okay, who's your actual one draft? Is barely, <laughs> one is barely better and one is much worse. Well, who's your actual quarter, uh, winner, Heath? Um, no, I'll just I'll, – I will say that I think Marquise Brown, while he may not have been my perfect choice to go to Baltimore and help that passing game, the fact that Lamar Jackson got one of the top wide receivers and actually has a talented wide receiver on his team now is a big benefit for him. Uh, I spent my morning watching Jackson's deep throws last year. And uh, bottom line is he completed 9 of 18 by my count, 13 of the 18 incompletions. I'm sorry, 9 of 27, 18 incompletions. 13 of the 18 incompletions were bad throws. Uh, His best target when he was throwing deep was Mark Andrews, not John Brown, not Michael Crabtree. Uh, I I counted him with 7-plus throws on the 27 attempts. So... There it is. I, I tell, like, Jamie, this is Jamie's fantasy loser. It was Marquise Brown from last night. It's just, I, you know, I, I expect him to be better than John Brown. But it's a similar type of skill set. At least looking at the two guys. He's a small kid. And I just, I'm, I'm worried about him. He's already got the foot issue. I hope he can stay healthy. Um, you know, I spoke to somebody who, who knows him very well. Says the foot is fine. Uh, but in the 
seven starts that Lamar Jackson made last season, John Brown had eight receptions. And he was on his way to a, 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 a very nice, I don't want to call it a big season, but a nice season last year. That's a start with Joe Flacco. So he really tailed off to Dave's point, you know, getting the ball downfield right now is not Lamar Jackson's strength. I expect Jackson to be stronger, uh, you know, full NFL offseason, full NFL uh, practice regimen with, you know, the new system that they're imploring in, in, in Baltimore. Really, they changed things on the fly last year when Jackson took over for Joe Flacco. So I expect Lamar Jackson to be better. So I don't think it's a total disaster for Marquise Brown. But this was not a great destination for him for his short-term future. Maybe his long-term future, but not his short-term future. And I agree with that. I, I think he was – I definitely think he was a loser. Is anybody ready to take him before round eight? I, I'm, I mean, not, not to uh, not answer your question, Dave, but I would rather have Nikhil Harry. Oh, without yeah. question. Like, right. At least this know. year. No, it's not without question. Of course. It, I mean – I can okay. So in the seven regular season game, no, the eight games, including the postseason, that uh, the Lamar Jackson started, no wide receiver had more than five catches. No wide receiver had more than sixty-one yards in a game. No, and they combined in eight games for five touchdowns. Like I think it's, I don't think it's a question. Nikhil Harry well, on the Patriots versus. I guess we have to what, see what but, happens in the rest of the draft. But as of Nikhil, now, Nikhil Harry is probably the third or fourth option in the passing game. Behind who? Well, he's definitely Edelman? going to be behind Julian Edelman. Yes, and he'll would, probably have more yards than James White. He's going to have less targets, though. Maybe, maybe not. I mean, he, probably. But I, 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 I'm not, I'm not drafting Marquise Brown. Are you guys drafting Marquise Brown? You said round eight. I'd say round eighteen. I don't want nothing to do. Okay, okay. Uh, let's pause. I'm being too harsh. Lamar Jackson could get better. Breathe, sigh, big, big, deep breath. Well, Usa. remember, it's not always. In this case, especially for this offense that they're going to run, about the throws, because he's going to get jet sweeps and yeah. you know, you know, bubble screens and and all these type of things. The thing about Harry is he's at best their third option in the passing game. Now we still don't know what they're going to do. They could, you know, trade up in round two. Uh, Nick Cesario talked about this yesterday. Their player personnel guy that if there's a player they like, they can they have a lot of draft capital to go up and get him. So they could still get let's say Irv Smith, who's available. Or, you know, a guy like, uh, I think I'm going to say his name right, Kahali Waring. I apologize if I didn't. Um, another tight end who could be a playmaker in a, in a spot that they need. So that could hurt Harry still. But there's a huge need for him in that offense. And the Patriots, you know, will be creative in how they get that guy open. Uh, Dave talked about this. You know, he has a hard time breaking off of press coverage. But there is no team in the NFL better at crossing routes and rubs and, you know, uh, illegal picks and all those things that the Patriots do right. to get their guys open. And so I think Harry's just in a better spot while he's the third option maybe at best compared to the number one option at best for, for uh, Marquise Brown. The problem is is that Harry might be the guy doing the rubbing and not the catching. <laughs> he's a very good blocker. I, I think part of the reason why he's with the Patriots is because he's such a good run blocker. And the Patriots seem to be evolving a little bit more toward uh, using their backfield to create yardage and move the chains. And there's still a chance that Josh Gordon's on the Patriots yeah, this year. That is true. Well, as of right as of right now though, Jamie says he'd take Nikhil Harry over Marquise Brown. Dave and Heath, who would you take? I'm taking Brown over Harry, but both of them are I've I've got Brown as a round nine pick in non PPR, and I don't know how good I really even feel about that. I think they're these guys are both double digit round receivers that you'll put on your bench. You're not going to know when to start them or feel good about them. I think there are better sleeper receivers out there than both of these guys. I've got Brown at number 48. 
at wide receiver, Nikhil Harry at 53. All right. I mean, look, I, I mean, wouldn't be surprised if there's a receiver drafted in round two or three that trumps both of these guys. Oh, yeah. Agree. Oh, that, yeah, that's been the case. I mean, I hope that's the case. Calvin Jeez. Calvin Ridley was a was a very good fantasy option last year, but in since the Beckham Evans Watkins draft, the first round wide receivers have been more or less duds, and the guys taken later, like Juju Smith-Schuster, like Michael Thomas, like Tyree Kill, who fell for different reasons, all the way to the fifth round, I believe. They have been better. So today is a huge day for wide receivers in fantasy. Jamie's losers, Marquise Brown. Recapping here, uh, Jamie had Dalvin Cook as a winner. Dave had Mark Ingram. Heath had uh, Marquise Brown or Lamar Jackson? Uh, Eli Manning. Eli Manning and Lamar, <laughs> and, Jackson. And Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson. And J- uh, Jamie also had Joe Mixon. Same concept. They upgraded their offensive line. They're um, getting better, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They, they took Jonah Williams 11th overall offensive tackle. Um, and then I would just, I would just add on and say Devontae Freeman. I mean, it's the same concept here. I mean, I'm very excited about what the Falcons have done. Guard Chris, Chris Lindstrom, 14th overall, and, uh, McGarry, 31st, Caleb McGarry, 31st overall, Washington offensive tackle. So that's a nice side. They really needed help on the offensive line. Um, well, they, they actually signed two guards before the draft. I, I, I didn't think this was a huge need for Atlanta after all, but what they did is they, they solidified their line. Heading into the future, this is it, it's a it's a good tactical move by Atlanta. Okay, one way or another, it's better for the Falcons, and hopefully, please don't add a running back at least until later. Are there any of the the guys that we mentioned, both sides, winners and losers, that can go the other direction based on what happens over the next two days? Well, I just we haven't gotten to Dave to uh, Dave and he's losers yet. So if you guys just want to shout him out real oh, quick, no, that's my bad. Dave, your loser. Yeah, mine's mine's Mahomes. Has nothing to do with the draft. You know why. Yeah. And Heath? But if they if they if they address receiver, same concept. Do they, Who, do they... who's coming in to be Tyree well, Kill? Well, Paris one you mentioned, I think that's that's he's not gonna be Tyree Kill, but you don't no, have to be they're that not guy. they're not drafting a one thousand yard field stretcher in this draft. Uh Keen Butler could go for a thousand yards next year if Patrick Mahomes is his quarterback. Uh my eyebrows are raised and my eyeballs are popping out of my head. I like Hakeem Butler. He's not a thousand yards, even in Kansas City next year. What? But he 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 wouldn't be as much in terms of Mahomes as much of a downgrade if they move up, well, let's say from sixty one to get one of the remaining top receiving prospects. I mean, sure, it would help him. It would it, it might put him back up top as a he's QB1, not. If if they take not, AJ Brown or Hakeem Butler, I would put him number one still. I really, I mean. It, he I'm could be one, to, but he's not going to be the far and away one. I'm not trying to diss these rookie wide receivers, but I can't just – they're not Tyree Kill, and Sammy no. Watkins can't stay healthy. I cannot see a scenario unless they take two in the second round and third round or something. I cannot see a scenario where Patrick Mahomes is not a loser. And and I think we're – he can lose five points a game and still be the best quarterback. You don't yes. even have him – you don't even, you have Deshaun Watson ahead of him, I thought, in four-point-per-passing touchdown leagues anyway. Well, I don't have four point per passing touchdown rings. Okay, but but you do. You've been saying that. You're you're kind of like speaking out of both sides of your mouth because you have. No, I'm been... just saying I don't think lose going from Tyreek Hill to one of those guys is going to have an enormous impact on Patrick Mahomes. Let's just really dream about it for a second. And I know Jamie's not a big fan of this guy, but what if DK Metcalf found his way to Kansas City? Now that's a field stretcher. He might not be, you know, Mister Route Runner and Mister Loose Hips, but. He he can take the top off, and that could be a player. I, again, I don't know if he's a thousand yards, but he could give the Chiefs' offense the same type of element 
I think that Tyreek Hill did in terms of speed. Okay. I've seen Ben Roethlisberger without Antonio Brown. Ben Roethlisberger is going to the Hall of Fame. He's not as good as Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes will suffer without Tyreek Hill. To what degree? I don't know. But he will be worse without Tyreek Hill. There's there's pretty much no way around that. It's just a matter of how many games Hill will miss. Yeah. Okay, Heath, who's your loser? Eli Manning? No, he was the winner. Oh, he couldn't right, be. Right. Um, Giants fans? No. <laughs> um, I mean, I, there's, a, there's a lot of fairly inconsequential losers. Isaiah Crowell, obviously, Demarius Thomas. I think that James White and Julian Edelman lost just a little bit. Wow. Oh, I, I've got one for you on that, on that subject. What about Kenny Galladay? Does he lose with the addition of a tight end with Hawkinson going as a top 10 pick eighth overall? Because if you look at Galladay, you know, he was good all year, but in the last six games, he was on a pace of 155 targets. And that was what was in the last six games. No Marvin Jones, no Golden Tate. Jones back, you add a tight end, you take him eighth overall. Um, does Kenny Galladay lose? Jamie. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, he, he, uh, the, the, the ceiling comes down a little bit for him. Sure. No, but you're still talking about a guy that is entering his third season, should have the chance to improve as a route runner, improve as a, a player in the NFL, um, should command the respect from his own team specifically, but from other teams, which is a negative of being the number one guy. But Hawkinson will take away some red zone opportunities. He'll take away, you know, clearly some targets and yards and everything that goes along with that. I think that's their future, though. I think Marvin Jones suffers also. And that's probably yeah. the bigger, bigger loser of the two if you're just looking at the receivers. Plus, you, you know, you lose in the passing game from the running backs. So that's why, you know, in the, in the carry on Johnson, Josh Jacobs conversation, you know, Johnson takes a little bit of a hit because of those short area targets that Hawkinson will command. And it will be interesting to see, like, how much better Hawkinson is than your typical rookie tight end. Right. That was right. Follow up question. Or is it just, Galladay and Jones are fine this year. Hawkinson has kind of a minimal role. Hopefully the start I, of a good career. Not role, but, prob- but role in I'm, the passing game. I'm probably going to err on the side of that. Yeah. Right. Oh, I, I, I agree. I, I don't think you should. You know, I, He could still be a top 12 fantasy tight end, Hawkinson. But I don't think you should anticipate him coming in and being one of the elite level guys right away. That's oh, the God, no. No, and I don't think anybody's doing that. It doesn't take much to finish as a top 12 tight end these days, right. but it takes a lot to finish as a top four tight end, and Hawkinson's going to be much closer to 12 than he will be to four. But if, if, if you're saying, all right, can Hawkinson get to 700 yards and six touchdowns and give me seven weeks of like good enough fantasy production at tight end, I, I think he's got a shot. I think he's I think he's good. I think he's pretty polished. And I think the Lions are just going to be focused on spreading it around and game planning a little bit more than they have been in the past for their opponents. Not having Golden Tate on the field or not having a slot receiver on the field opens up the middle of the field for Hawkinson to make an impact. Uh, last point I'd make is that Galladay didn't score in any of his last five games. No, but so the targets were He insane. did some pretty... His targets were good, but the scoring wasn't there, and he had um, – how many games did he miss with Jones? Six or have Six without Jones? without Jones or okay. Tate. So he had, he had two games with 98 or more yards? 
Uh, let me tell you what Jones his pace on the field was. And chew without. His 16 game pace in those six games without Jones or Tate was 83 catches, 1,232 yards, and only three touchdowns on 155 targets. Guys, it's been over. He's getting that many targets. He's scored more than three yeah, touchdowns. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's been more than uh, 40 minutes, and we haven't even talked about the number one pick of the draft, Kyler Murray. Taking a real quick break on fantasy football today. And when we come back, Kyler Murray and everything else you need to know from round one. We'll be right back. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. I got some rapid-fire questions for you. Uh, are you drafting a rookie quarterback this year? Yes. Not in a one-quarterback league. No. Who are you drafting, Dave? Kyler Murray. When do you draft Josh Jacobs? I mean, I think we kind of answered this, but Dave said a top 50 pick. Does that kind of feel right to Jamie Heath, top 50? Yeah, round, round four. Yep, round four. Uh, I was going to ask, are you drafting both rookie wide receivers? We answered that. Are you drafting both rookie tight ends? I would take a shot on one of them with a late pick, Hawkinson ahead of Fan. Yeah, a lot of time, and this didn't work at all. But a lot, a lot of times last year, what I did if I didn't get one of the top three tight ends is I would just take uh, Hayden Hurst back to back with my last two picks with a a veteran like a Kyle Rudolph Mm -hmm. or somebody. I'm not going to draft Hawkinson or Fant. Thinking I'm going to start them all year. No, but would you do what you did last year, where you'd take yeah, Hawkinson sure. and Jordan Reed, and then you'd start Jordan Reed, and then if Hawkinson turned out to be something, then good for you. That's almost the strategy I want to use with Kyler Murray. Uh, yeah, I don't want to draft two tight ends or two quarterbacks, so I'll probably pass on all those guys. Okay, and who is the number one rookie? Okay, it's going to be Jacobs, I assume. So who are the top two rookie draft dynasty picks? Uh, Jacobs and whoever goes to Tampa Bay tonight. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think we know the answer to that. I don't know that the number one pick has been picked yet. If you're forcing me to pick one guy who was taken already, I think I would take Hawkinson ahead of the receivers. I uh, Number one overall? No, number two overall. Behind it. Jacobs. Okay. Jacobs, Hawkinson. Yeah, if you're ranking the guys from last night, I, I agree with Dave. I think it goes Jacobs, Hawkinson. I might go Fant third, too. Yeah, that might not be a bad move. Fanter, Fanter, Hollywood Brown would probably be third. Kyler wouldn't be last. Uh, what was I going to... So, all right, we can move on. We can move on. we got to talk about Kyler Murray. All right, first overall pick. Yes. Arizona had the worst offensive line and pass-blocking efficiency last year, according to Pro Football Focus. Um, I went back and I looked at the last 14 quarterbacks who were selected number one overall. That was beginning with Peyton Manning. And here are the names, and you all know how their careers turned out. Peyton Manning, Tim Couch, Michael Vick, David Carr, Carson Palmer, Eli Manning, Alex Smith, Jamarcus Russell, Matthew Stafford, Sam Bradford, Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, Jameis Winston, Jared Goff. For the most part, it's a pretty good list. 
And in recent the ones that aren't the good though, they jump out in a big, big. <laughs> they sure do. They sure do. And that would be that would be Tim Couch, David Carr, and Jamarcus Russell. And honestly, like we should give Sam Bradford some credit. I know he's not going to end up having a great career, but he he was pretty good. In fact, he was the number nineteen quarterback as a rookie. But I did. I mention, would take his bank account. Yeah, I would take that too. Um, I did mention that three of the last. I would four take almost any of their bank accounts. Number yes, ones. Uh, three of the last four number ones: Cam Newton, Andrew Luck, and Jer- and Jameis Winston were all good as rookies. Cam Newton was the number four quarterback. Andrew Luck was the number eight quarterback, and Jameis Winston was the number thirteen quarterback. And he had a much better passer rating than Andrew Luck did. So, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of like a, a number one QB that a lot of people don't seem to think should have been a number one QB. But, what, Jamie, what are your uh, expectations for Kyler Murray both this year and in a long-term look? I'm, I'm nervous um, based on the small sample size of the one year in college, the talent that he played with in college, that offensive line between this year and next year is going to all get drafted, left tackle to right tackle. Uh, as we know, his number one receiver just got drafted in the first round. So he's been playing with some of the best talent in college football in a great system. Now he's going to be in a great system with Arizona. The offensive line is better, or at least presumably a great system in Arizona. The offensive line for the Cardinals is better, but it's not dramatically better. And I just wonder how Kyler Murray would have fared in this same team a year ago and would he have survived? So I'm, I'm nervous. I, you know, he's, he's clearly still small, you know, that's not going to change. Um, is he, uh, is he going to have initial success? I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant. His, his legs will help his fantasy production. He's got a great arm. Uh, but does he still have enough talent around him in an aging Larry Fitzgerald and an unproven still Christian Kirk, who he has a, a you know, clear rapport with, um, so I, I don't necessarily – I'm going to take a wait-and-see approach with him from a seasonal fantasy uh, leagues. He's not going to be a top-12 guy for me. He's my, probably not going to be a top-15 guy. He'll be on the cusp right there. Dynasty, you have to take him in the first round if you want to get him because if he does hit, he's going to be a, a very good fantasy quarterback. But like I said, I'm, I'm nervous about that happening. So I just found an article from NJ.com, NewJersey.com, three quarterbacks – who were only one-year NCAA starters at the FCS level. Oh, uh, no, the FBS level. Sorry, the highest level. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, Cam Newton, and Mark Sanchez. First-round picks who only started one year. So that's I, that's encouraging, I guess. Two out of three. I don't know. I guess the jury's obviously still out on Trubisky, but two out of three can give you encouragement there. The, the good and the bad thing about Kyler Murray is the uncertainty. Because I do think that he has certain skills that make me think he could be the guy that makes the jump that Baker Mayfield made last year. And all of a sudden, we're looking at dynasty quarterback rankings, which I'm working on right now. We're looking at that in 2020, and Kyler Murray's a top five guy, and some people have him number three. Like, I, I don't think that's outside of the range of possibilities at all, but I also think there's so much uncertainty. He could legitimately be bad like it could be one of those situations where we're looking back at this list five years from now and kyler murray is the name that stands out because he was just right. really bad right so i'm not drafting him in redraft i'm not not going to get him in dynasty if you have to use a first round pick on him right now i've got him 17 overall in my rookie rankings um i do think there's enormous upside and almost no floor 
I, I understand where you're coming from, Heath. I understand where Jamie's coming from, and I think they're, you both have legitimate points. Here's what I want to say. The learning curve for Kyler Murray coming into the NFL is going to be better than any learning curve any rookie quarterback has had in, I don't know. Well, I guess Baker didn't have that much of a learning curve, but he's coming into an offense that he's been playing in his entire collegiate career, and he's played more than one year. Once upon a time, he was at Texas A&M playing for them in 2015, and then he transferred and had to sit out, and then at Oklahoma he sat behind Baker, and then last year he played. Cliff Kingsbury has been chasing Kyler Murray since before then. He's known Kyler Murray since Murray was in high school, a sophomore in high school. This has been a seven-year recruitment for Cliff Kingsbury to get Kyler Murray on his team. Not only that, but there are two pass catchers on the Cardinals that have already worked with Kyler Murray before. Christian Kirk and Ricky Seals-Jones, both at Texas A&M, both have caught passes from Kyler Murray. The system's going to be the same. The offensive line scares the crap out of me. I just don't think that that's going to be even close to as good of a line. But his mobility is good. He can. He's got a great arm. You know he's going to run. Think of this sentence. Kyler Murray is Lamar Jackson with accuracy. I want that on my fantasy team. I will take the chance on that in a redraft league with a late pick, especially knowing that I can find another late-round quarterback from maybe I'm lucky and it's Carson Wentz or Phillip Rivers. Maybe it's somebody like Ben Roethlisberger or Jimmy G. Maybe it's Tom Brady. But if, if I'm going to wait for a quarterback, and I just find myself, you know, I fall in love with running backs and receivers and tight ends between rounds one through ten, and I still need a quarterback, I'm going to take Murray, and I'm going to take another quarterback. I'm probably not going to start Murray in week one against the Lions, although that's not that bad of you're a not matchup, gonna, you're I have not to start, tell you. You're not starting him in week one. I don't know. You're not. I, uh, I, I am willing to take the late-round shot on Kyler Murray with the worst-case scenario being, oops, he sucks, I lose a round ten pick. I think a lot of people feel the way feel the way Dave does, you know, which is which is exciting. Look, he's a he's going to be a fun player. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, uh, the the next domino clearly is what are they going to do with with Rosen, and hopefully they get something, you know, that could turn into a, a starter for them right away. You know, they they kind of played their hand, I think, which is first off, what they did to Rosen is 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 just a nasty. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the the tweet that they sent out that that before the draft was just disgusting. What was um, it? What did it say? Josh, something like he's our guy. He's our guy. Yeah. Oh, that's not cool. Yeah, and um, I, I just, I'm, I just wonder, you know, does he, does he step in right away and and pick things up to the expectations that that you have for him, Dave? I hope he does. You know, it just you have to wonder a little bit about where he's. Uh, does it just come too easy for him, and is he going to, you know, prepare the right way that most quarterbacks need to prepare? I think. The, the three answers that you got, Jamie's take, Heath's take, Dave's take, just shows you how polarizing Murray's going to be. And that's great for fantasy. I mean, we want it to be hard. We want it to be stressful. You know, we want it to have a lot of, yeah, well, not everyone. No, we don't. We will, I, We're I not think playing so. it's fantasy fun. football to get stressed it's out. Fun. It's a fun stress. It's a fun stress. You know, it's, no, it's no, debate. You're playing fantasy football to win the league. Yeah, yeah. well, you gotta, yeah, it, I think it's great. I think it's great how people do have to take chances. It's better to take those chances later on draft day than earlier on. Adam's draft day. been a Giants fan for a long time and <laughs> the last five years have made him forget that football is supposed to be about joy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, wow. So, uh, just speaking of which, Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins. I don't think anyone's drafting Daniel Jones. I don't know if anyone's going to draft him in a dynasty. I mean, he'll get drafted, but round three not going to be a lot of. If drafts. you have a four a four round draft, I think Jones could be drafted. He'll be round three. He'll be a top thirty five rookie only draft pick. And meanwhile, Haskins also has some, you know, polarizing opinions and goes to right now a really bad situation. There's not much to like. Uh, Jamie, your your quick take on Haskins. I I don't know if he's going to be a starter day one. You know, I would not be surprised if they go with either Keenum or McCoy, depending on if all of them make the roster. I expect them that they will, because uh, they could they could give him a redshirt year. You know, it's just a matter of what Washington is thinking. I think Washington had a great draft. You know, if if Montez Sweat turns into um, the player that he was being projected as. Uh, which was a top 10 overall pick, then they did a nice job in not having to move up to get Haskins. But uh, Haskins has no weapons. You know, they, they have to fix that. You know, they need to get some some upgrades at the receiving spot. Uh, you know, when you go in with Josh Doxson, that's your number one guy, Paul Richardson, Trey Quinn, you know, the hope is Jordan Reed is healthy, but it's just not a very attractive situation for him to have fantasy success. He could be a winner. He could clearly help that team turn things around. But, um, you know, there, there's not a lot to like about him as a seasonal fantasy quarterback for 2019. Okay, wide receiver and running back, we've more or less covered. Josh Jacobs, 24th overall. Uh, Marquise Brown, 25th overall to Baltimore. Nikhil Harry, 32nd overall to New England. And then the tight ends, TJ Hawkinson, he's the fourth top 10 tight end since 1997. The other three were Kellen Winslow, Vernon Davis, and Eric Ebron. Kellen Winslow, uh, career, uh, I don't know, derailed, is that the right word, by yes. falling off the bike? He only played two games. Uh, in his rookie year, Vernon Davis, Vernon Davis and Eric Ebron combined for like 500 yards and four touchdowns in 23 games as rookies. So being a top 10 tight end does not mean you're going to have a good rookie season. Uh, even being a top 10 Lions tight end, but Hawkinson and Fant going eighth and 20th respectively to Detroit and Denver. Are they, are they similar from a long-term perspective? Heath, what is your dynasty take on them? They are very similar from a long-term tape, and I, I, they could be, like, I think you could make an argument for ranking them as high as five and six in Dynasty right now. I've got them eighth and tenth in my Dynasty tight end rankings as of now. I am not going to be very bullish on them as far as their rookie season goes, just because we've seen, like, even the best tight ends are often not great their first year. So I'm probably going to avoid them in most redraft leagues, but they are borderline first-round picks in rookie-only drafts. Dave, what does it do for Matthew Stafford? He had had a bad year last year, but he was so injured. And before that, he had been uh, a top-10 quarterback in six six of seven seasons. I think it gives him a shot at finishing as a top-15 quarterback. Maybe more if other quarterbacks that are... I mean, he, Stafford's not going to get drafted. But if other quarterbacks fall off or get hurt that'll help push up Stafford even more this is he's a good target not just over the middle he he can roll downfield he's not going to be you know a blazer but he's he's a smooth route runner he's got great hands he's got unique size I tend to gravitate toward tight ends that are like this I don't think the Lions drafted him just because he's an NFL ready blocker Um, he's an NFL ready pass catcher too that's why he went top 10 he Stafford this year will get 600 yards out of Hawkinson. I don't know if it's going to be 700. I would hope that he would. 
I, I think the floor is 605 and the ceiling is 707, something like that. Okay. I think he's going to be a good contributor to Stafford's bottom line. Okay. Uh, and then on the offensive line, we had Cincinnati take Jonah Williams, offensive tackle out of Alabama, 11th overall. Atlanta took, like I mentioned, guard Chris Lindstrom and tackle Caleb McGarry. Minnesota uh, mentioned them as a winner. They got center Garrett Bradbury, 18th overall. The Eagles selected Washington State offensive tackle Andre Dillard, 22nd overall. Great pick. And that's more that's more of a long-term thing, right? Well, usually those picks are made with the long-term in mind, and then something happens, and they end up playing pretty quickly. That's Jason Peters' replacement. Yes, no question. It's it was, and they jumped and right in front not of not this year, right? Not this, not year. this yeah. year until Jason Peters gets hurt, right? Which I mean, no one's going to rule that out as a possibility. The Texans, I don't know what they were thinking. Okay, then Titus Howard uh, out of Alabama State. He was He's a high a school project. quarterback. Yes, he is. He could be. He could be a beast. I mean, he could be yes. the best left tackle in this draft or best offensive lineman in this draft. But he could also be a flop and out of the league. Well, they had one they, of the worst lines in football, if not the worst line in football last year. Yeah, there's a chance this guy could legitimately be Chantrell Henderson. <laughs> and that that's your offensive line selections. It was obviously a, a draft that was dominated by defense. We got a few minutes left if you guys just want to talk shop. Well, I think we should talk fan a little bit more. I mean, I we, agree. Spent, we spent a lot of time yes. on Hawkinson. Um, okay. you know, Fant is is uh more of a move tight end. He's he's a little bit more of a receiver-ish type of guy, not that he's a better receiver than Hawkinson. I mean, you can argue that he is, but um, just in terms of the way he plays. But he's going to a quarterback that loves throwing to tight ends and a team that really needs somebody. You know, they, they could talk all they want to about, you know, Hireman still being the guy and, um, you know, however they want to, you know, use Jake Budd if he's healthy. But they didn't make the move to, to get Fant to not play him. And so this is a receiving core that's clearly in transition. You know, you have uh, the hope of what Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton could be, and if Emmanuel Sanders can come back at a, at the same level off the Achilles injury, but this guy could be a playmaker from day one. It would not be a surprise if he's better than Hawkinson, not just this year, but long term. Uh, I yeah. think there's a chance long term he could be better too. I think I think the Broncos are sick and tired of seeing the Chiefs and Chargers have all the fun at tight end, and, and the Raiders last year with Jared Cook. And they didn't want the Raiders to get Noah Fant. They wanted somebody like this. I, I am concerned about how quickly he will be up to speed to the NFL level. There were things that I didn't like about him in college. He he was slow off the snap. There was a couple plays where he it looked like he didn't even know what the play was. There was one that resulted in a turnover for Iowa. But his skill set, for fantasy purposes, for a guy as, as a pass, he's a receiver. He's not a blocker. I don't think he's going to be a very good blocker. He's going to be, just like Jamie said, a move tight end. And if the Broncos can develop him and refine everything about his game from route running to just awareness, he's going to be a good one. Okay. And Pete Prisco reading his grades. And he, makes, he makes Joe Flacco a number one quarterback for sure. <laughs> uh, probably <laughs> higher than Denver. Was Flacco Rogers. a bitter, bigger winner than Eli? So yes. It, it, okay, it's obvious that like the Giants are going to just they might be top three in rush attempts. Like Dave Gettleman has come in two years. He has signed a left tackle, drafted a left guard, traded for a right guard, drafted a running back with the fourth overall pick, and tried to now shore up their run defense. Like they are going to be a ground and pound team. So it was actually a little surprising that they didn't. And I know Jawan Taylor's got a knee issue that he's apparently dealing with. Um, but it was a little surprising that they when they moved back into the first round. 
uh, to take Baker. Yeah. That they didn't take Taylor or Ford, you know, the two best offensive linemen, at least on paper, that were still remaining because that would have just put them at, you know, giving them the right tackle. And then it just goes with the formula of what you just laid out. Right. And no, I they just still have say, a lot of picks left. They can move up for one of those guys today if they wanted to. Maybe. I, I, I just wanted to say that Christian Wilkins got the best draft grade from Pete Prisco. This is my favorite pick of the entire draft so far. That was 13th overall. He was a, he's a great player. He's a pro bowler. Yeah, the Dolphins have not taken a quarterback. I, I wonder if Josh Rosen ends up there. I don't know how a team does not just – if you could get him for a third-round pick, they paid the majority yes. of the money. Yes. There's, this is a top-ten talent from a year ago. Whatever you think of him, at least that's what another <laughs> NFL team thought of him. He was clearly going in the first round in 2018. Mm-hmm. And you could get him for nothing. Uh, and you can move on from him. It's befuddling. I don't get it. I, he's, do you think he'll be on the I, Dolphins? If I'm Miami, I'm taking as many chances at that position as I can cheap. Like, I would try and get Will Greer if I can, if you can't get Josh Rosen. I would try and get Josh Rosen because they didn't have to spend the capital to get one of the top three guys yesterday. They didn't have to move up. They didn't like Haskins. They didn't want to take Locke. I mean, you know, if you get the chance to get somebody that's still considered a potential starting quarterback in the NFL without spending a first-round pick on him, they've done what they needed to do. Now go out and do something else to improve your chances. Mm -hmm. Chad O'Shea mentioned that the two things that he looks for in a quarterback are arm strength and intelligence. And Rosen gives him that stuff. And he's fairly accurate, too. He just had a really bad year on one of the worst uh, offenses that you'll ever see. And if you can get him for a second-round pick in 2020, is is it really going to be a third-round pick in 2019? Hell, man, Miami should just give up their second-round pick tonight to get Josh Rosen. You may not have to, though. You may just give up a third-round pick. I mean, they painted themselves in such a corner. Whatever it is. Right. You're right. Well, and I think I think that's what's going to take so long is people are acting like they painted themselves in a corner, and the Cardinals are like, no, we didn't. And even <laughs> if Well, that becomes I, worse then because if they could, if they don't get a, a – okay, a round three pick, at least a round three pick this year, or let's say a round two pick next year, are they going to go to camp with both guys? Because Rosen could beat him out. Yeah. And then they look so stupid. <laughs> that would be such a toxic situation. Chad O'Shea, by the way, is who Dave mentioned. That is the Dolphins' offensive coordinator. And we are done. We will be back on Monday to recap the rest of the draft. There will be a lot of wide receiver talk, so get ready for it. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the rest of the draft. Watch it on CBS Sports HQ. And for Dave, Jamie, and Heath, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you Monday. Uh, na, 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 na.